0: to the Aussie Past Alive, right here on Faith FM.
1: G'day, Hunty. G'day, mate. G'day, listeners. We're starting off, and i got nothing <laughs> in the got, got
2: nothing in the <laughs> we, we did
1: have, <laughs> but it seems to have died for I some reason, I and I don't that. know what's going on. We're going to try and fix that in the not-too-distant yeah. future. Until then, Hunty, okay. I can hear you. Okay. Very can good. you hear me, my friend? Yeah, all good. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our program today from, I reckon, a really cold, chilly old Sydney. It's cold, Hunty. Mate, it's freezing. Yeah. I'm freezing in here. <laughs> I don't know what's going on outside, but winter has hit. It's it has struck. In fact, I'm surprised there's not five foot of snow out there. That's how cold I feel. But anyway, we're glad to be here. And wherever you are in Australia, we are glad, we are happy that you have joined us today. We pray that you'll be blessed. It's a good program today, hunty. Absolutely Do you yes. know
3: what we've got coming up or shall I share it? I do know what we've got coming up. But no, you please share I'm going to try and fix a couple of things. You're going to try and fix these, <laughs> these earphones of mine. Actually, I'm doing all right without the earphones,
1: to tell you the truth, mate.
3: That's because I turned up the speaker in the studio
1: <laughs> oh is that what it is yeah yeah,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> um Coming up today we've got uh, Harold Harker And he's going to talk to us about the Presbyterian Church The Covenants and their beginnings in Scotland now, This is a mighty story of a mighty people and of a mighty movement And I think you'll enjoy that nice. Then we've got Robbie Bergen That's your boss, Hunter, not yeah, mine You a, keep saying he's, he's your boss yeah, he's my boss Yeah, your boss, not mine Faith uh, FM Actually, he's a good guy And he's going to come back And we're going to talk a little more about about the return of the ancient pagan gods to our culture. Really, really interesting, challenging and a sobering subject. I think you'll enjoy that. And then on top of that, we've got a Bible study where we're going to look at I think we could really say the ramification of the return mm-hmm. of the gods to our culture. Yep. And we're going to look at a very powerful Bible study, uh, Bible story that a lot of people misunderstand. So wherever you are in Australia, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad. We're Always glad when you join us, all the more on a cold, wintry day. You know the best way to listen to Faith FM today, Hunty? Here, what's that? Home in bed under the covers with our hot chocolate.
3: <laughs> That'd be beautiful.
1: Yeah, well, hot chocolate with some cream on top. Oh, man. Oh. I'm on this diet. I haven't had, well, not a diet, lifestyle change. I ain't had nothing like that in a long, long time. And you know what? Even though I'm on this good thing and my body is responding well, I still long for. That stuff now and again You get what I'm talking about Don't you Andrew
3: Totally I had soup for lunch <laughs>
1: Vegetable soup
3: Just so, so our, our listeners know mm. Vegetable soup Like dirty dishwasher With some veggies in it <laughs> Hey hunty Can yes. I pull you off Trying to fix my earphones For a minute I'm going to fix them In the first song Ah uh, oh, okay yeah, 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 Will yeah. you be prepared To open with a prayer mate Let's yep. um, Let's break heads together Dear Heavenly Father Lord we thank you so much For the opportunity This afternoon To hold you high In our community But, Lord, I pray mostly and earnestly for our listeners and our viewers, Lord. Please grant them every blessing you can afford them. Give them peace, bring them closer to you. And, Lord, I pray that uh, the Bible study that Pastor Lloyd will be sharing this afternoon, Lord, will be a blessing to all of our listeners. So please be with them. Bless us here in the studio too, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. This day in history, June the 13th. It's actually June the 13th. 2023. But if we go back in history, an interesting day but not a lot happening on this day. You know when I go and do this research for this little section segment of the program, yes. I don't know how long we're going to keep this segment going but I kind of enjoy it I at like the moment. It. Probably, Hunty, because I'm into history. I'm a historian. Yes. Did you know I actually, this is not even something to brag about because it's not a big deal but I actually did a degree in history at university. Did you know that? Yep. yep, yep and yep. do you know that I, I know that. really, really, really enjoyed it. What happened on this day? Three twenty-three BC. I think they say BCE now. I'm staying with BC, nope, mate. It's BC before Christ. I'm Be- staying with that. Before Christ, that's it. AD. Do you know what AD means? Uh, Anno Domini, after Christ. Yeah, some Latin term that means after Christ. Very mm. good. You're on fire today, mate. Woo! Three twenty-three BC. Alexander the Great died in Babylon. You know how old he was? Uh, no, thirty-three. Wow. At the height of his power, this dude dies. And you know what? In history to this day, we still don't know the reason why he died. Hmm. A lot of different ideas. Was he poisoned by someone who wanted the throne, who was jealous? Uh, Did he have cancer or some other malady that they had no way of finding out about back then? Who knows? But he died at the height of his power. Very sad life in a lot of ways. Mm. And a lot of people look back on Alexander the Great, perhaps the greatest warrior, military warrior the world has ever seen. A lot of people look back on him and they admire him. I don't admire him that much, Hunty. Okay. Because he was responsible for the deaths of thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people and it's just a straight out naked power grab because when he attacked uh Persia, uh Greece was already pretty free. So it's just he was just after power and land In 313 AD So we've gone from BC to AD On this day, June 13 Constantine the Great signed an edict Granting religious freedom across the empire Which was a pretty new thing back then Religious freedom was usually Well, not known uh, Whatever the king was Or whatever the emperor was The kingdom, the empire was But he granted religious freedom Was it true religious freedom? Well, I think in a lot of ways The jury is out on that, maybe not. In 1525, Martin Luther married Katharina von Bora. So there you go, Martin Luther was married on this day. She was... 16, I think it was 16 years Younger than him, so there's a bit of a gap between Them, he married a younger woman 1774, Rhode Island I like this one, became the first American Colony to ban slaves How do you like that one, Hunty? Good. Yeah, I reckon it is too Uh, Rhode Island, never knew, just a tiny little state It was a colony, a British colony back then They followed the homeland Britain and when Britain Banned slaves, they decided they would And that was a great move, great example To the rest of America, 1967 US President Lyndon Johnson nominated Thurgood Marshall as the first black justice of the US Supreme Court. And again, another good move. Mm. You want to see your your nation representing its people. And this guy was the first black um, judge to ever sit on the US Supreme Court, which arguably outside the United States, America's the most powerful position in the land. And the last one today, I told you it's not a big day hunting. Mm. In nineteen eighty one at the trooping I bet you I wonder whether you know this one, because I didn't know oh, it. Uh, the Trooping of the Colour, do you know what that is? When the mm. Queen's birthday weekend. No. They have a Trooping of the Colour where all the soldiers come out. Yep. They had it this last week and all the soldiers were dropping over from heat exhaustion.
3: Yes, saw so, that. So yeah, 31 degrees, which is pretty hot. Yeah. Over in, in they, England especially the they are weekend. wearing polar bear skins and fur hats Oh they are, mm. they
1: are, they're not dressed up for it Well mm. in 1981 when they did this tripping of the colour for Queen Elizabeth II A teenager, his name was Marcus Sargent Fired six blank shots at her, did you know that?
3: I did not know that
1: Yeah I didn't know that either That was a pretty serious thing you know very, When you've got someone jump the fence, point a gun at her And shoot the gun six times, it was blanks. Mm. He said he did it because he wanted to be famous Well his fame, he ended up in jail for five years And what's more, wow. he wrote a letter to Queen Elizabeth And an apology, never got a letter back <laughs> So I guess she wasn't, she wasn't too happy uh, about we that We were not
3: amused <laughs>
1: Not amused at all
3: um, Some birthdays, I've got no
1: deaths on this day No one died, hunty, of any, of any, any notoriety yep, yep. on June 13 In entire history, no one died that I could find But birthdays, Slim Dusty it's his yes. birthday today.
3: You know when I he was didn't born? Know that. Have no. you got a rough idea when he was born? Uh, well, he was about 80 years old when he died, and he died about 10 years ago. So. Well,
1: he died 20 years ago. 20 years ago.
3: huh? Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in
1: 1927. Right. He died in his 70s. Yep. This guy I know you know, 1949, Red Simons. Yeah, no. Red. It's his book. Birthday today. He was born. <laughs> he was the uh, was it the bass
3: guitarist or the guitarist for the Skyhooks. Yeah, Skyhooks. Jukebox in Siberia. Is one
1: of and my he was also
3: songs. on. Was it Saturday Night Live? A fair bit. Yeah, he was quite funny. Yeah, I, I look. I never. I
1: I know the Skyhooks because they're a group from my. Well, uh, are they from our vintage? They yeah, are. Yeah, they're. I was
3: there. generation. 80s?
1: Um Sherl, who was a lead singer of the Skyhawks, moved to the Sunshine Coast and I remember he was learning to uh fly a helicopter yeah. and something happened. Yeah, he that, ended up on the side of a mountain and he he'd lost his life. Very very sad. But it's mm. Red Simon's birthday today. Happy birthday, Red Simon. Nineteen forty nine. He's 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 an old dude, mate. <laughs> he's not much uh younger than my dad. Yeah, okay. Uh well eleven years younger I suppose. That's a little bit, isn't it? And then in 1953, this guy, Tim Allen. Where do you know him from? Oh, I love Tim Allen. Home Improvements. Tool time. Home Improvements, tool time, yeah. Well, he was born in 1953. So, Hunty, that is this day in history. Again... If you've joined us live here on Faith FM, live from our studio in north-west Sydney. I like saying that, honky. Yeah, me too. And by the way, you are building a beautiful studio. Even if we're having troubles, yep, no, they're not working yet, my okay, earphones. I'll fix them. I just want to testify that the studio you've built is beautiful, and I love you for it, oh, thanks, God bud. bless you. Again, welcome. <laughs> we're you're we're to glad you're awesome here. I've got a kiss Stop <laughs> saying I've got a...
3: I'm going to keep talking right but over the drag, top of you, that you sting, You dragged the Andrew. handbrake too long, I ran it on top of you.
1: <laughs> He's been doing that a bit to me lately, the you song. know that? It's to hurry you up. What else did you do? Oh, jump <laughs> jumped to texting. We were, we're doing some filming this morning. Jump so here I was, giving you a pat on the back. <laughs> oh, I know, right. Are you ready to do the sting again? No,
3: not doing it again. i going to the song next. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not doing it again because you can't do it again? I
0: or? can do <laughs> it as many times as you like. Look. I'm waiting. <laughs> sting? <laughs> You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here. There you go, Aussie
3: Pastor on Faith And then FM. you cut it out. Well, that's, they know who we are. So tell me this. Yeah. Is that strike one for me or strike one for you? No, you were dragging the intro along too much, so I thought the clock says go and you're still you talking. Listen to how cheeky he's getting, <laughs> listeners, through the years. Very, very
1: cheeky boy. This first song is beautiful. Guy Penrod. beautiful. He, yep. This guy sings for, um, Gay. well, he used to sing in the Gaither Quartet. Kind of gone out on his own now, but every now and again on a you know I love Gaither hunting and yeah. every now and again on a special you'll see him come back long hair real western dude wearing his cowboy hat and his cowboy belt buckle that's a beautiful and cowboy, his cowboy belt boots.
3: Bu- I've often wanted one of I've often wanted one of those cowboy belts with the belt buckle hunting look I had one they are fantastic but good luck bending over with one well now we're losing weight. It shouldn't be that hard, would it? Doesn't matter what weight you are. You can't bend over with those buckles on. Then came the
1: morning from Guy Penrod and he's talking about Jesus and his second coming.
5: They all walked away, nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. All that he said Now he was dead So this was the way it would end The dreams they had dreamed Were not what they'd seen. Now that he was dead and gone The garden, the jail The hammer, the nail How could a knife The star, the king's from afar The wedding, the water, the wine Now it was done They'd taken her son Wasted before his time She knew it was true She'd watched him I too, she'd heard them call him just a man. But deep in her heart, she knew from the start, somehow her son would live again.
1: I've always loved that song. Wow. It's a special song. Talking about, it's actually, it's, it's kind of two, it's, it's got two messages there. Yep. The first is Jesus' disciples were really, really down when he was crucified. They lost sight of the fact that he told them, he told them over and over that he'd be resurrected and they lost it. You know, I love the fact that I serve a God, Jesus Christ, I'm talking about specifically, that's been resurrected. Mm. I live in this secular nation that largely puts Jesus off to the side, he's becoming less and less of a focal point in this nation. He, he has less, you could argue he has less and less influence. You know what, hunty, I don't care because I know Jesus exists. I know he lived. I know he died for my, my sins and I know he was resurrected. I know that for fact. The thing is this though, his disciples lost hope. Hmm. After he died, and that song, then came the morning, the resurrection. Here we are in this world. We can lose hope too, Hunty. We need our yeah. Oh, the clock's we, not running, is it? We we can lose. I fixed your headphones. You did fix my headphones. <laughs> Actually, I fixed them. Oh, you did too. I turned them off, and all of a sudden they worked. <laughs> Don't know what was happening then. We're living in a in a in a world where it, things can seem so dark, and. You can get so depressed and you can get so overwhelmed, Hunty, with what's going on at the moment out there. I mean, you're struggling to pay your rent. We know about that, Andrew Hunt. Both you and me know all about that one. We do, we do. Struggling to pay your rent, struggling to put food on the table, running off the credit card all the time, interest rates are going up, you can't. You know You don't know What you're going to do When it comes to To paying for your mortgage All these pressures on us Your job is insecure You might be struggling In your marriage You're in a time of darkness But the morning is coming And just like the disciples Had the resurrection of Jesus We're going to have The return of Jesus And it's going to be real soon The signs are out there And I know it Jesus is coming Jesus is coming And I You know what, hunty I'm going to keep crying that out Even if the rest of Australia Blocks their ears And won't listen to me I'm going to keep saying it until I see yep. him in the eastern sky. Me too. Not gonna stop. Not no. gonna stop. News no. stories today. Okay, what do we got? Talking about dark times, what about this one this first news article we've got today about how here in
3: Sydney people are renting rooms out, oh. but tell me what they're oh, doing, mate. Dear, oh dear. They're renting a one bedroom in an apartment for multiple people. So two, three people sharing a one bedroom. And they've got
1: pictures in this article Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of three skinny little single beds. You and me, if we had to share
3: that bedroom, we'd be in trouble. Imagine if one of us snores.
1: There's no imagining. I've been travelling with you overseas, (laughs) my friend. I've, I've, yes, I've read hey, the you before too. There's no imagining. In mm. fact, see these see these earphones? Yep. Last time I travelled with you overseas, what did I do every night before I went to sleep? Because <laughs> I usually go to sleep before you, true? True. Actually, I usually go to sleep before hunting and wake up after hunting. <laughs> I don't know what that says about how many hours of sleep you get. I put these earphones on and I'm listening to music or some ambient noise. Yep.
3: Uh, I don't want to listen to you snore, and of course I don't snore. Now, I can't imagine why there'd be three people... In a bedroom. That's at $170, $160 a week. Each. Each. So that bedroom's making, what, 500 bucks? Well, what happens is they've got
1: three or four bedrooms in the, in the apartment or the house, and they're putting two to three people in each bedroom, yep. charging them 160 to 200 bucks. One of them was 250 bucks a week, and then you've got to share a bedroom, man. Yeah, and a bathroom. Well, I can share the bathroom. I can live with that long mm-hmm. as I'm, the you know, of course, the only one in there, but I can share the bathroom, my friend. But I cannot share a bedroom with anyone other than my wife, or yep. you if I absolutely have to, if we're... <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is we, when we do go off and of, of filming somewhere
3: exotic, we just don't have the money often to... Well, um, last <laughs> time we had we had crew on the floor and crew on the beds. Where was that? Um, In the middle of a nullable somewhere. Ah,
5: yeah, that was up three tents, of us. We'd, we'd,
3: we'd been blown away True. by the wind. We couldn't tent anymore. So the three of us got into a single bedroom... A motel, and one of us was on the floor. You
1: remember that another night we had to, a couple of times in that trip we had to do that, and my cousin was with us? I do. And you remember he kept me awake all night. Well, he's... So if you're out there, Bruce, we love you. You're a great bloke. But I had a sleepless, truly, it was, wasn't it? A sleepless night that night. Man, it is a sign of the times when, to survive, you've got to share a bedroom. Yep. Some people would say, well, you're blessed to have a roof over your head, be warm and bed. Maybe there's some truth to that, yep. the way the world's going. What about this UFO that distorts space and time? This bloke in the military reckons he he came across, through his military work, a UFO that had crashed somewhere in the desert of Nevada. It was about the size of a small caravan. When he went into it, it was bigger than
3: uh, a multi <laughs> basketball court stadium. All right. Well, firstly, I've got an observation to make. Yep. Now, listeners, I don't know if you can remember, in the 70s, probably can not even born, but in the 70s mate, and no the 80s. was born in the 70s, Hunter. You're a dinosaur, yes. mate. and in the in the late 70s, early 80s and 90s, there were all these UFO sightings. UFOs everywhere. Yes, I, we saw the, the UFO then, but guess what? 2000, 2010, everyone's got a mobile phone with a camera on it. How many UFO sightings have they got now? We've all got cameras. Heaps of them. It's just they're all blurry. Yeah, because... (laughs) That annoys me. You're making my
1: point. It's (laughs) like the Loch Ness Monster in that that lock up in Scotland. Every single picture you see of the Loch Ness Monster is blurry. No, there are some clearer um, pictures coming out now. And you have US Air Force pilots who are men of truth, who are men of honesty and integrity... And there's there's too many hunting coming out and saying they're seeing these unidentified flying objects all the time. And there's a the, the, you've got the military, the, the American military itself admitting yes, there's something going yet, on out there. Yeah,
3: the very best evidence they can provide is a little tiny blurry dot the in the US, middle of the screen. The military
1: doesn't want to provide evidence at this at this stage, but you have the U.S. military coming out
3: officially saying yes, well, there, guess there's what? stuff going on. Well, let me say, starting. Almost now, with all this artificial intelligence and video editing by computers and robots, we're going to have UFO sightings with pictures everywhere. I'm not convinced. You can create your own now. I think... Oh, dear. Hunty Have you unplugged your headphones again? I have, but I don't care. That's all right. It's all right.
1: I think there's plenty of
3: evidence out there
1: that there is something going on. I I, I truly do. And, And I wonder, you know, whether it takes him back to corinthians i think where it says in the end times um demons will turn up satan himself will turn up as
3: an angel of light and will communicate visibly and yep corinthians uh 2 corinthians eleven, fourteen. Mm. but i'm not surprised even satan disguises himself as an angel of light
1: yes yeah, so i i mm. i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if, if something's going on there here go. this last one yep cold hearted this one stirs me oh, up. Oh, stirs me up too. Council evicts tiny homes. So you're on the Sunshine Coast where here. I lived for a while. Beautiful place, pretty crowded on the beach strip there. Uh, rent through the roof. A lot of people being forced out and probably onto the street, which bothers me. Mm-hmm. There's a lady with a farm up in the hinterland there, far from everybody. She's got four mobile homes. She's charging just a pittance and she's allowing poor families to come in mm-hmm. and live there and mm-hmm. the council's evicting them. mm On Mm -hmm. a big property.
3: Absolute low
1: act. I I reckon, you know, even one of the councillors, I don't know how carefully you read the article, was saying, hey, look, um, we know there are rules out there, but in this time of difficulty, surely we can bend the rules a bit to allow people to live on a farm in a mobile home. And, and, Hunty, where do you
3: want them? Do you want them in that farm on a mobile home or do you want them on the coastal strip, Homeless, but how about councils look after potholes and garbage, and stop telling us who we can put on our own property? Love it! Come on, yes. Nice. My my Rant wife's going. Indonesian,
1: and she, <laughs> she reckons that she's never seen a country so overgoverned as Australia. And I got a I got a I'm I'm with her, mate. Yeah, it is it is a shocker. But I, I'm very sad to see a council that can't see past their nose mm-hmm. to help. What I see is an increasing rate of poor people who need accommodation. Come on, guys. Uh, Caloundra Council, open your eyes. You can do better. Mm. You can do better Mm. than that. So, Hunty, you know what? Yep. When we're sharing bedrooms, when you see councils not working for the poor, when you see some of this supernatural stuff going on out there in the world, look up, look to the east. Jesus is coming
0: soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Pastor Andre
1: Crouch died a few years ago now, one of the greatest songwriters, I think, in Christianity. Wrote this beautiful song some time ago, Through It All. We sing this song in our church, aren't we? Yeah, we do. And we sing it regularly, and it's beautiful. And it's talking about, hey, even though there's hard times, i have been talking about hard times today, even though you go through dark times, and this is a fact, Andrew Hunt, Through It All, if you choose to follow him, if you're a believer, through it all, through all the darkness, you're going to have Jesus. This is Andre Crouch. Through it all Sing
6: it. Through it all oh, I've, I've learned. learned to trust in Jesus I've learned. I've learned to trust
7: in God Sickness and pain Through it all Sunshine and rain So now I thank God for every mountain Uh And I thank Him for the valleys And I thank Him for those storms Already brought me through If I never had a problem I never know that God could solve them I would never know what faith in His word could do. Yeah, I now I tell you, if you it, it all, God never failed me. Through it all, He never let me down. Oh, but I, I learned to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. I Tell me through the line. Oh yeah. Sing it again, sing it again.
6: Let me tell you this.
1: Two, depend on Jesus in the bad times, in the dark times. Depend on his word. I I think I've always said, Hunty, I'm not a guy, not a pastor, not a bloke who preaches that things are going to get better. Mm. They're not. They're going to get worse. Yep. And that's why I feel an urgency with this message, because the message I have to Australia is, hey, no matter what's going on, if you've got Jesus, you're going to be okay. Yep. This next section, it's got a new segment we've had for the, what, last month? Yeah, yeah no, it's a great little new little segment. I'm um, finding, um, finding testimonies of people where Jesus has made a difference. And this is about a young man who was born to gay parents. Now, just so you don't get the wrong idea, this is not some Christian anti-gay thing. This is just a young man who finds, who Jesus Christ finds, who turns his life upside down. And that's what, it doesn't matter who you are, if Jesus comes to your hunty, yep. no matter what your persuasions, what, well, no matter what you're doing, no matter whether it's good or bad, he's going to turn your life upside down, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a powerful little testimony. It's out of the U.S., and I think you're going to enjoy it.
8: When I was two years old, my parents got a divorce, and both of them went into same-sex relationships. They were very political activists. They joined the local board of directors of GLAAD. They took me with them when I was very young to uh, gay clubs and bars and pride parades and events and campouts. I remember this one time I was marching this gay pride parade when I was very young. And at the end of the parade were all these Christians holding up signs saying, God hates you. There's no room for you. And if that wasn't offensive enough, they were spraying water and urine over everyone at the same time. I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, why are they acting like this? And I will never forget her words. She said, Caleb, they're Christians. And Christians hate gay people. And so I really grew up not liking Christians. I judged the whole community based on the extremists of those on the street corners. And I had some friends who were always trying to make me into a Christian. So one of them invited me to a Bible study and I figured I'd go. My plan is very simple. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be a ninja Christian. I'm gonna pretend to be a Christian, learn about the Bible, and then dismantle uh, their arguments for Christianity. And I kept on going. I wanted to prove Christianity wrong, but here's what I learned. That Jesus was not like the people on the street corners. That, That Jesus's life was actually proving my worldview wrong. And I also learned that Jesus had very deep theological convictions, but he also had very deep relationships with people who were not like him and people who were marginalized and outcast and pushed aside, not only by secular society, but also by religious society as well. And I gave my life to Christ eventually, and I wanted to become a Christian, and I decided to become a pastor pretty much all within the span of a week. And I remember telling my parents, I was a 16-year-old teenager coming out as a Christian to my three gay parents. They disowned me for a while. They kicked me out. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. The, the same frustration and the same treatment and the same extremism that they feared from the people on the street corners, they gave to me at the same time. I went to Bible college and I said, Lord, if you ever give me the chance to lead a church, I want a church filled with people who are broken, filled with people who are questioning their sexuality, with people who have had abortions, with people who are in gangs and homeless and cutting and clinically depressed, and people who have their finances out of whack and their marriages are destroyed, and people who have ruined relationships with their parents, because that's what the church is. The church is really a a mosaic of broken lives that God has united together to glorify himself. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for some little members-only country club that is really a Pharisee factory. I preached at a church for three and a half years. Both of my parents, separate of one another, moved down to Dallas, Texas, and they both started attending the church that I was preaching at. These are the same people that would make fun of, of people on the radio station, and they started attending my church. And the people in my church were nicer to them than I was. And I just think to myself, that's incredible. And it's messy, and there's tension, and it's uncomfortable. And you know what? That's what faith is. Do they believe in Jesus? Yes. Are they saved? Yes. Are they in a same-sex relationship? No. Do they still struggle with same-sex attraction? Probably so, yes. Will they slip up sometimes? I don't know. It's not my job to resolve this tension between grace and truth. It's my job to love people well and point them to Jesus. Because Jesus is all about people. And when Jesus' grace intersects our messy lives, it looks like messy grace. But that's okay, because God loves messy people.
0: You're listening to the Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Don't you love the way
1: he brings out the reality and the fact that Jesus is all about people and even when you're messed up? Mm, yeah. I really like that yeah and I was a bit ashamed when I heard at the beginning of that story what some Christians were doing mm. to people who mm. are of the gay persuasion oh, I just think that's awful. awful and it's it's not it's not Christianity no. at all uh, Christianity is not there to judge and to smash about people and their feelings and to hurt And I'm sorry if that's what you've experienced christianity to be too because it's not christianity is about jesus it's about you know jesus and the woman caught in adultery hunty Mm. he gets dragged Mm. before him in john chapter 8 and falls down on her knees and the local pharisees and religious leaders see religious leaders hunty want to stone her to death Yep. They want to see you killed because they just want to expose Jesus. Yep. And Jesus gets rid of them probably by writing in the sand their sins. And then he looks at the lady. And this is Jesus and this is Christianity. And if you want to argue with me on this, you can't really because Jesus is the founder of Christianity. He's the reason for Christianity. He's the one who defines Christianity, hunting. Mm-hmm. And she looks up at him and, and Jesus says to her, where are those who judge you? Mm. Was what she doing wrong? while well, she was in adultery. So the answer is yes, probably. Not probably, mm. it was. But Jesus doesn't go for the sin. He goes for the heart of the sinner. And he says to her, where are those who
3: judge him? What did she say? Uh, yeah, there's no one left here.
1: And he looked down and says, I mm. don't judge you either, little sister. Yeah, Get up, go away and don't go where To sin no more, don't go where you're getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's Jesus and... It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Hunty, Yes, ask the Aussie Pastor. Yes, can I please give a shout out?
3: Yeah, what is Ask the Aussie Pastor? Okay, well, there's a segment coming up in our program where you get to send in your question, any question you like, and I'll throw it at the Aussie Pastor. So, there's two ways you can send in your questions. You can text them to us on 488 or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at dot com.
1: Yeah. Mm. I hope that's easy enough to remember.
3: Zero four double up zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. That's the one. Yep. Oh. And what's the email? And the email is theaussiepastor at gmail
1: Okay. This is David Phelps. This is we're we're into the Gaither singers today. This is arguably one of the best tenors around in Christian music. Yep. Again he used to sing with Gaither, he's gone out on his own. We are the reason, one of my favourite songs. I hope you enjoy it.
4: the greatest gift of our life, and as the years went by we would learn more about gifts the giving of ourselves and what that meant on a dark and cloudy day a man hung crying in the rain because of love
1: I can sing like that, hunty Man, what a one, great one, song One day, one day I'll be able to sing like that Fantastic But it won't be until Jesus comes and changes me um, Harold Harker, our guest today Well, he's a regular, not a guest Are you online, mate?
9: Yes, Lloyd, I'm here. Good to talk
1: again. Yeah, good to talk to you too. And we've got a good story today about the, the Christian movement, the Protestant movement in Scotland. And perhaps uh, with a welcome, we'll get straight into it. How far back does Christianity go in Scotland?
9: Well, if you go to the history of Scotland, you'll find that Christianity came in the very early Christian centuries. So it's a long time back now.
1: There's some there's some conjecture that Christianity came to Scotland and Britain even in really the first generation of the Christian church, isn't there?
9: There is theres is that thought around. We don't know exactly, but it certainly came early. When it
1: comes to recorded history, who do we know brought Christianity to Scotland?
9: Well, the historians tell us it was Columba. He was born over in Ireland and uh, he brought the Christianity of Scotland and founded a missionary place on the island of Iona.
1: So the Scots and the Brits, the English, have something to thank the Irish for after all, huh? They sure do. <laughs> do, we, do we know much about the life of Columba?
9: Well, Columba, if he traced his lineage back, he went back to the high kings of, mm. of Ireland And he was trained by another Christian called Finian And when he went to school You think back in the 500s There were 3,000 students at that school And they came from all over Europe In fact, if you wanted to be educated You went to Ireland then
1: That was Patrick's school, is that right? That's correct So would Finian have known Patrick or known of Patrick? He would
9: have come after Patrick, yes
1: OK, so let's go back to Columba, this Irishman who went to Scotland to, you said the island of Iona. Tell us just briefly about
9: that. Iona is an island just a little off the coast on the west of Scotland and it's not a big island, but he went there with a group of his friends when he left Ireland early in the 6th century and he founded a Christian you call it a monastery, if you like, and he really uh, started a great movement there.
1: Yeah, actually, I remember, and I'm waiting for Hunty to start the clock. Here it goes. If we go over time, that's your fault, Andrew Hunt. No, I'm fixing it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I remember when you took me there, Harold, many years ago, First time I'd ever been in Europe, and it was the middle of summer, and it was just freezing cold. <laughs> it, it was worse than the coldest, coldest day in Sydney, that's for sure. Did did Columba and his missionaries have much impact on Scotland?
9: They sure did. In fact, Christianity grew right through Scotland because uh, Columba and his followers, and he sent out many as missionaries, even back into northern England.
1: Okay. In 663-664 AD, there was a king by the name of, now I'm probably going to say this wrong, but Oslo of Scotland.
9: Yeah, Oslo, the the situation was there. The Catholic Church had landed on the south of England. So so just before you go
1: any further, the Celtic Christian Church of Columba and of Finian and of Patrick was in Britain before Catholicism. Is that right?
9: That's correct, yes.
1: So Catholicism comes later, and we've got a challenge here. Go ahead, brother.
9: And they come up, and as they're moving up, this king thought, well, who who am I going to support? And he had a big conclave there, and both were there, and he decided in favour of the Church of Rome and Celtic Christianity retreated west to Wales and north to Scotland
1: Which is a shame, really Because the history of England could have been quite different uh, Was the early Christian Church of Scotland a Sabbath-keeping church?
9: Yes Most of the early Celtic Christianity was Sabbath-keeping So how, how did they lose the Sabbath? Well, in about 1070 Margaret was the wife of King Malcolm Third of Scotland And she wanted to eliminate it And she just pushed for the Sunday keepers and the Catholic Church.
1: It's it's kind of sad when you look at the history, isn't it, how God's truth always seems to be under attack. But that is the nature of this conflict. Who was Scotland's greatest reformer? If you look back on Scotland, who's the greatest reformer of the Reformation in Scottish history?
9: Everyone knows and would say it is John Knox, that guy that said, prayed to God, God, give me Scotland or I die. And he started the Church of Scotland.
1: Uh, which was a great Protestant movement out of Scotland, is that right?
9: Correct. He'd been over with, in uh, Geneva with Kelvin and others. He spent some time there.
1: I think God heard John Knox's prayer because he did give him Scotland. Which brings us to the Covenanters. Uh, who were the Covenanters? Because they're all related, um, this story.
9: Well, the Scottish Christians became known as Presbyterians. And the presbytery is like the local church, which governed itself. Mm -hmm. And when they were tried to uh, go become Episcopalian and be answerable to a bishop, they said no, and they wanted to sign a covenant. It's like a treaty between themselves and God, and says, Scotland, we belong to God, and they signed this covenant. And were then called covenators
1: In other words, are uh, trying. When you say ecclesiastical power, they're trying to stay away from the bishops who rule the churches from above, and they just want to be a little, single, independent churches that rely on the Bible. Is that right? That's
9: exactly right.
1: And they come under pressure. Um, where would the covenanters meet?
9: Well, when the the kings, uh, James the sixth of Scotland became James the first of England, and he and his son Charles the first started to push this episcopy, and they said no. And so many Scottish presbyterian pastors who left their church and they would meet with their members out on the moors and in the isolated places
1: so they're being upset by the fact that the king is trying to rule through the bishops the church from above they sign a covenant with god do we know how many signed up to that covenant
9: yeah there were there were tens of thousands that signed at the uh, Greyfriars Church in Edinburgh as well as other places all through Scotland.
1: So in some ways there's a major rebellion underway here.
9: It was. They're saying we we belong to God first and not the king.
1: Were there any pitched battles between the Scottish governors and the king's uh, armies from Catholicism and Rome?
9: Yes, there were. And after a while they had to fight for their faith and there was a big one that took place... Around just near um, Glasgow, at the Battle of Bothwell Bridge,
1: and the Covenanters lost.
9: They lost, and they got four hundred killed, and they took twelve hundred prisoner and marched them across to um, Edinburgh and put them in a place with no roof. Imagine a Scottish winter, and there many of them died.
1: Do we know how many Scots died in the persecution of the Covenanters or the persecution of the Presbyterians?
9: Well, in the 1680s, it was called the Killing Times. And when that happened, there was something like 18,000 Covenanters who died for their faith.
1: Most of them Scottish.
9: All Scottish, yes. Can you
1: give us some brief examples of famous Covenanter martyrs?
9: Oh, for sure. Um, You have the great stories... Of Margaret Wilson She was 18 years old and Margaret McLaughlin was 63 and they had gone out to a uh, conventicle, a meeting of the Covenanters in the bush, she's caught she's dragged before the court she's uh, sentenced to drown and they tie her to a stake as the tide comes in in the Solway Firth near Wigtown, great story.
1: She dies she dies. 18, the, both the 18-year-old girl and the 60-year-old older woman. I was going to say they old. Put
9: the older one down first so that the younger one could see what's happening and hope she would repent.
1: And they both stayed faithful. Both stayed faithful. 18 years of age. Can you imagine that? I was going to say the 63-year-old woman, old woman, but then I thought to myself, I'd better not say that because I turned 60 at the end of the year. Um, but whether you're 60 or whether you're 18, it's something to be martyred for Jesus. Um, what brought about the end of the persecution of the Covenanters?
9: Well, 1688, James II had to run and they invited William and Mary of Orange who came to the British throne and persecution ceased and Presbyterianism was really established again in Scotland.
1: We really have a lot to thank the great Presbyterian movement for and the Protestant Reformation in the West, don't we?
9: We sure do. And how you organise your church, the local church has its authority.
1: Yeah. One thing I love about the, the movement I belong to, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I know this for a fact, the power in Adventism belongs with the local congregation. That's right,
9: right. they'd choose their members.
1: That's right, there's no doubt about that. Last question, what impact did the covenants have on modern Protestantism
9: today? Well, I think they put Jesus first, they're willing to say, I'll put my life on the line, and as well as that, we want to be missionary-minded. And they went out and they spread their message to all who would listen.
1: There's no doubt when I look at my own church, the Adventist church, that the influence of the covenants and those old Presbyterians is very strong and the fire that they had burns hot still in us. That's a fact, isn't it, mate?
9: That Scottish grit is still
1: there. Yeah. (laughs) God bless you, Harold. Thanks for joining us. I think you're going to take a week off and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Is that
9: right? That's correct and God bless you too. Yeah.
0: See you, mate. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pasta here on Faith FM. Good guys, those covenants as Hunty.
3: Yeah. Well, that, end,
1: that ended abruptly. It did end a bit abruptly. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I had to point that out. Did you notice that, mate? I feel very special. <laughs> I'm not saying it was your fault. Again, I want to say it, and I'm going to say this straight out. The studio Hunty's been building here is just incredible. And if you saw what he's got up and running now for us on radio, it really has helped us a lot. Keeps yeah, us on we're, time. We're getting blessed now, Doesn't yep. it? More or less keeps us on time. Imagine that. The keeping to time. <laughs> hey, one more on. Hey, look, I'm, I'm 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 asking you out there if you have a question yes. for the Aussie Pastor. We've got time for it today we too, aunty. Yep. The way we've set it up. Uh,
3: where do you go? Okay, if you'd like to send us your questions, we'd love to receive them. You can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is the at gmail dot com. One day, this is a song from Matt Redman. It's talking about one day through
1: all the darkness and the pain and the hurt and the sorrow of this world. I think of the Covenanters, those great Presbyterian champions of old, 20 plus thousand dying for their faith. One day Jesus will come. There will be justice, there will be judgment, and there will be eternity. And that's what this beautiful song from Matt Redman is about.
2: Everything Jesus, one day you will bind every wound The former things shall all pass away No more tears One day you'll make sense of it all Jesus, one day every question resolved Every anxious thought left behind No more fear And when we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory. One day we will see face to face Jesus. Is there a greater vision of grace? And in a moment we shall be changed on that day. And one day. vision of grace. And In a moment we shall be changed. In a moment we shall be changed. Yes, in a moment we shall be changed. victory yeah let's sing no more shame no more struggle no more walking through the valley of the shadow no cancer no depression no unanswered question We will see your glory. We will see the glory of your face. We will see your glory. One day. One day. Lift your eyes. One day.
1: Won't be the last time we play that song on this show. (sighs) When we all get to heaven. Um. I might, we had a question last week on indigenous spirituality hunting. We did. Um, I don't know whether you still have that question there or not. Uh, um, I do actually. Oh. Do you? Are you able to look it up or I'm putting, I am genuinely putting him on the spot here at the moment. <laughs> um, as I, 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 in some ways I'd rather have the question read out and then I'm just sure. going to go to the Bible. Sure. Um, and if you've got a Bible, some of you might be sitting at home uh, Open to 1 Samuel chapter 28 and we're going to start in verse 4 And we're going to get going in a minute Possible hunty or not? Yes, no, very possible, I'm going to have it tea in a sec Okay I, 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 <laughs> Usually I enjoy springing surprises on Andrew but not today, really <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alright, am I going to be able to get this question?
1: Mm. Maybe not, huh? If you can't, we can't have pregnant pauses on no, radio, can we? We can't. No. Okay. Let's not worry about it, mate. If okay. it's if it's too hard. It was a question that said, basically, and and you correct me, Hunty, if yep. I get it wrong, and I've got to be very careful. Is the occult or spiritualism in indigenous worship
3: in Australia? Is that it? Yeah, that's that. That's definitely the essence. It was,
1: of it. it was something like that. Now, right from the start, I've got to tell you, um, although I have a couple of daughters with indigenous blood running through their veins. Andrew yeah, um, That's not a lot of indigenous blood But it's a little bit um, I'm not in a position to make too many comments On indigenous religion in Australia um, I wish I did know more And we ought to get an indigenous pastor on sometime Hunting and get his views on it But I do see enough mm. from afar To know that in indigenous culture They're calling up the spirits of the dead uh, regularly, and not just our own Aboriginal culture, but almost in every Indigenous uh, religious culture in the world, that seems to be a part of it, doesn't it? Whether you're, you're Indian in America or somewhere else, they call up the spirits of the dead, mm, the ancestors. they worship the mm. ancestors yep. and I know that is front and centre of our, our Aboriginal people's Indigenous religions. And by the way, many of our Aboriginal people are the finest Christian people I know, so they're not Walking down that road, um, so rather than comment too much on indigenous culture, which might disappoint some people, I thought I might go to the Bible today, hunty and just have a look at what the Bible has to say about the practice of ancestor worship, calling up the dead, yep etc, etc, because the yep. bible's pretty clear on this, yeah, and it doesn 't matter whether and by the way, I think I made the point last week um, our modern Secular Australian culture is just as inundated with the occult and spiritualism as any indigenous culture on the planet. Correct. Uh, everywhere I look in our culture, in our movies, yep. in Hollywood, yep. in our music, you see the occult. And if you don't know what the occult is, it's, it's the influence of demons, of spirits – uh, in what we do yeah. Sometimes it's a bit more subtle and you could Say a little bit more sophisticated In our modern culture but I mean we, We've taught Hunter you and me about what goes On sometimes in, in The Super Bowl half time show Something I, I dislike it but you watch It because you're interested in the, in, in, in the, the Television and the way They do mm. all their angles and lighting mm. and sound And all that stuff yep. and you've made The mention to me and I've seen it myself On a number of times the
3: occult is front and Centre of a celebration there of of, of the Super Bowl. Well, I was totally staggered what Madonna did a few years ago. She basically did a, a worship service to, oh, what's that, that God starting with B? Bale. Bale. No, another one. Anyway, her whole halftime show was a worship service to Satan. Starting with B. above yeah. Bale? Mm. I
1: don't know any other God other than B. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, not, it's not just just Madonna, Beyonce, and, yeah. and some of the others doing the same stuff. And it, it's actually staggering and a little bit scary. Let's look at this story. This is a 3,500-plus-year-old story. The king, his name is Saul. He's the first king of Israel, actually. He's wandered from God. He's about to go into battle. He's looking for some help from God. He's in real trouble. Let's yep. get straight into it. Verse yep. 4, Hunty, First Samuel 28, you're reading from... It. Uh, uh, I think it's NLT. Okay, go, mate.
3: Yep. The Philistines... By the way, the Philistines are the bad dudes. Yeah, the bad dudes. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. So you've got a battle here. Yeah. Two sides. Yep. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. Keep going. His advisors replied, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul's wandered away from God. He goes to God and God won't answer him. That's right.
1: First point here, hunty, if I had been Saul, I would not have got up off my knees. I would have yeah. repented. I said, yep. I've done wrong. Yep. I am in big, big trouble. If yep. you don't come, I perish. But if I perish, I repent. At least I'm going to perish serving you. Yep. That's what he should have done. Yep. Believe yep. if he'd done that, God would have come to him. I reckon. But his heart is hard. Yep. He's not interested in in, in serving God and yep. obeying God. We'd already seen that in previous stories. That's for another time about Saul. So God's not talking to him. So he goes
3: after a witch. Yep, yep. Pretty serious stuff It is Verse eight. 8 Yep. So he goes to Endor He um, So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing Instead of his royal robes Then he went to the woman's home at night Accompanied by two of his men I have to talk to a man who has died He said Will you call up his spirit for me Okay you with me hunty mm. Will you Will you what He's gone to The woman witch in Endor, of Endor The witch of Endor what, What's he asking her to do He wants uh, her to call up some dead friend of his Yeah Call up a spirit. Sa- yes, yeah, Samuel.
1: One of the ancestors, mm. you could almost say. Now, mm-hmm. Samuel, mm. for what it's worth, yep. was a prophet who who was very influential in the time of Saul and had died not so long ago. Mm. And so Saul goes to the witch of Andor yep. and he says, call up one of our ancestors. Yep, yep, yep. Call up one of his spirits. Call up this prophet. yep. You get what he's doing? I know it. That is exactly the same thing that's happening in the indigenous cultures and religions of the day. Yep. And yep. by the way, it's not just them either. It's in our Western culture too where you go. I've seen it on TV where you go to some of these clairvoyants, witches, wizards, whatever they want to call themselves. Yep. And they'll. you see it on television yep. sometimes. They'll wander around the, the, the studio yep. and they actually do call up yep. the spirits, so-called spirits. I've got inverted commas yep. if you're watching this on Facebook. Yep. By the way, we're live on Facebook hunting on yep. the Aussie Facebook, yep. Yep. Um, uh, they call him up and then they tell the people in the audience things that no one but the person who was dead
3: knew. Yep. Pretty scary stuff. This Absolutely. is what's happening here. What happens, verse 12? Okay, so, oh, no, verse 9. Oh, verse 9. Sorry. Yes, yep. So he's talking to the witch of Endor and yep. she says to him, He Are you trying to get me killed? The woman demanded. You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, As surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, Well, those the sorry, Well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You deceived me, you are Saul. Mm. Wow. So she could see. She calls up mm. the dead spirit
1: mm. of Samuel. She knew that she wasn't supposed to do it. She knew that the king who was Saul, she hadn't recognised and put a death penalty. You kind of get a sense of, mm, of how, gravity. Yeah, how serious it is to call up one of the dead. Hunty, it is serious, serious stuff. And if I yep. can give our listeners any advice, if you're watching someone call up the dead on television... If you're involved in some, I don't care if it's Indigenous religious ceremony where they're calling up the dead, where they're recognising the ancestors. Run, run, run run as fast as you can. It's dangerous stuff and we're about to find out why. And by the way, the many thousands and millions of Christians who have come from our Indigenous cultures... To Christianity, somewhere in the past, my own daughter's ancestors did this who've come from the indigenous culture to Christianity have given this side of their religion up. They have given up calling up the uh, up the ancestors. You can't have Christ. I want to be very clear today. You cannot have Christ. You cannot walk with Christ. You cannot follow Christ mm. if you're calling up the ancestors. And preachers and teachers out there who call themselves Christian who are telling our indigenous people and the people of Australia that this is okay, are betraying the cause. Mm. You can't do that. That's right. You either serve God and you're listening to him or you do this other stuff. God wouldn't come to Saul, so now he goes to the ancestors. Massive mistake. Hmm. Well, what is the problem here, mate? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Saul knew this, verse 9 through to 14. Saul knew this, and he did it anyway. Read it straight, mate. Uh, And by the way, just before you do, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just need context. This is God talking to the Israelites after he'd freed
3: them from Egypt. They'd gone through the desert. They're about to go into the promised land, Israel. This is what God says. Yep. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example... Never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Makes sense. Correct. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics. Look at this. Look at this. Or call forth the spirits of the dead. Hmm. Anyone who does these things is detestable. To the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God pro- forbids you to do such things.
1: I told you there's no compromise. Hmm. There's no compromise on this subject We live in in, in a country here in Australia Where it's not fashionable to say this Especially when we're talking about indigenous cultures But there's no compromise You cannot call up the dead You cannot worship the ancestors And follow Jesus Christ and God Hmm. There's good reason for that And we're about to find out Who these spirits are Because I want to argue that it wasn't Samuel That she called up It was someone else who was shape-shifting, Hunty Wow in other words, they looked like Samuel, they sounded like Samuel, they had information that only Samuel would help. hmm but it was not Samuel. How do I know that? How can I say that so definitively? Especially when it doesn't come out clearly in the narrative of the story. Go and read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 28. You'll see it's not that clear. But how can I say that without uh, uh, without any qualification that that was not Samuel? Well, look at this. And we've used this text many times on this show because yep. it's so simple, it's so concise, yep.
3: and it gives us the truth. The clarity, yep. Ecclesiastes 9, 5, 6, and 10. The living at least know they will die But the dead know nothing They have no further reward Nor are they remembered Whatever they did in their lifetime Loving, hating, envying Is all long gone They no longer play a part in anything here on earth Whatever you do, do well For when you go to the grave There will be no work or planning Or knowledge or wisdom So the dead know
1: how much, hunty? Nothing Nothing They know not a thing, okay They no longer play a part in anything in the earth They can't come back as ancestors. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there's no work, no planning, no knowledge, Mm. no wisdom. When you go to the grave, there's nothing. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, when you go to the grave, you're in an unconscious sleep until Jesus comes and resurrects you. That's the Bible narrative from Genesis to Revelation. It never changes. The dead know nothing. By the way, that's why it's dangerous, hunty, to believe that when you die, you go to heaven or hell. Because yeah. if you go to heaven or hell Then technically you could still communicate With someone here on this earth I want to tell you straight out The Bible says that's not possible And if you are communicating with some being With one of the ancestors of your past With one of your relatives who has died It's not your relative It's not your ancestor It's another being Who is it? 2 Corinthians eleven
3: fourteen. 14 I think we already mentioned this one today yeah. But I am not surprised Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light
1: Yeah, it's a demon Mm. That was a demon that came up who disguised himself as Samuel to the King Saul. The next day, King Saul was killed in battle. It was over. Yeah, it was a demon. And that's why this is so dangerous, and it's why indigenous um, religions can be so dangerous, because when they call up the ancestors, when they do these smoking ceremonies, you know, where the ancestors are giving permission and... Uh, infiltrating and possessing, these are demons. And I know it's not popular to say this in Australia, but it's the truth. And God calls us to follow him, not the demons. We'll go on with this a little bit further next week, Hunty. Mm, but mm, it's challenging, mm, isn't it?
3: Very challenging.
1: Jesus said, my people will come to me. They'll talk to me. And that's the thing. And I could talk, Hunty, about the demons in indigenous culture, more so when I was up in Papua New Guinea and what I was confronted with up there. But I have seen the power of God firsthand with my own eyes. And by the way, Hunty, we're going to try and go up there again next year nice. to PNG. I love to watch God up there mm. and the power Me He too. works with with the indigenous people. There are no finer people on the planet. And when they come to God, they come with their whole heart, they come uh, with the power and authority of the Holy Spirit, and everything changes. And then it's a wonderful thing to see. Mm. The demons are in our culture, they're indigenous culture, they're everywhere. If in any way they're impacting your life, they're calling you, they're talking to you, run for Jesus. The only safety you have from this sort of religion is in Jesus. And Jesus is more powerful. He's stronger. And, hunty, Jesus will
0: save you. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
1: And can it be, every week I choose a song, hunty mm-hmm. This is from Songs of Praise that we sing in church This is a church song If you come to our church This is kind of a little bit what the music be right like Is that Absolutely. fair enough? Yep This is one of the great songs that talks about Jesus who took our sins And died on the cross And was resurrected Hallelujah Praise God We can be a little bit Pentecostal on this one Which means we've got a bit sure. of life about sure. it It excites us that Jesus was resurrected Amen, hunty Yeah, for sure It does That's what this song is is about Jesus dying resurrection that he did it for you and that's why Jesus has the power he conquered death and he conquers the demons this is a this is a church song man enjoy it I like that, song, Robbie. <laughs> Just making sure he's there. Are you there, Robbie?
10: I'm here. Could you, you hear, hear, hear that song? Nice. Now
1: I can't hear the music for some reason today. Ah, that's that's, that's great song, and can it, was it a be a good song? Yeah, from Songs Ooh. of Praise. They were meeting together in England, and oh boy, it was good. I, I, what we try to do is every week we try to put at least one or two songs that we'd be singing in church Just to give people an idea of what they'll see if they're going to an Adventist church Although there's a bit of variety, isn't there? Um, there yeah, is, yep, yep, yes yep.
10: How you going, good song, Robbie? Are yeah, you? Good, good Being, uh, I'm actually still on leave, this is my last week of leave And we're uh, oh, trying no. <laughs> to finish, finish our kitchen that uh, got flooded So trying to renovate a little bit he had a Faith FM jacket on last
1: week, Hunty. I oh, Look no. what he's got look on what now. He's got on, look at yeah. on oh, A FM. Faith FM experiment T-shirt. F- ex- hey, hey. Faith experiment. hey. Uh, okay, Hunty. A podcast. We have to get a Faith FM. We have to make one. I'll see the
3: Faith FM shirts. We yes, should. we do. Yeah, we should.
1: Yeah. Hey, before we start, uh, do you remember what date you're coming to our church? I'm trying to remember. Uh, maybe. It's, yeah. it's July. I think it's July 8, isn't it? No, hang on. Yeah, be- July 8. So July 8, Robbie Bergen, Faith FM, is going to be at New Hope Church. We're going to start from next week sending out some serious invitations to our listeners to come to that very special day. Yeah, we'll make an ad too, eh? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Um, if,
10: you're, if you're living in Sydney, you'll be already hearing the ad for it, so nice. Uh,
1: have you got an ad up for it or are we making that? Yeah, 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 there's
10: an ad. Has that been running for the last couple of weeks just in Western Sydney? Oh, wow, Beautiful. I didn't know that. <laughs> I need to listen to... So if I... Yeah, but
1: I'm listening to Faith FM on an app, so am I getting that even though I've got my app in Western Sydney or not really?
10: Only if you set your station on the app to Western Sydney. Ah. I don't know so in I'll, the app, So yeah. in the app, you can go to my profile and you can set your location as Western Sydney and then when I went to where you are in the world, you'll be listening to Western Sydney um, we, ads and promotions. You want to come that day, um, not only will...
1: Robbie be presenting twice You didn't know that Did you Robbie? (laughs) No I didn't (laughs) You'll be presenting At 10 And 11 10 But 10's only half now No it's not It's it's, no It's 45 It's it's 10.15 45 minutes Take it from me bro (laughs) It's 45 (laughs) minutes We go We go from 10 To 11 and we have about ten minutes of singing, so that'll give you an idea of welcome a prayer.
10: Yeah, but I like. To I'm looking like, to... looking forward to meeting the Western Sydney cohort. Yes, yeah. Hunty likes to, you know, with us pastors, he likes to skinny our
3: time down. I do. Uh, I like to make a gap between the two programs, so we can go. We've got and get a refreshed. gap. You've
1: got it from eleven to eleven ten. There'll be a gap. Yeah, and then we're going to have fellowship lunch, which means we're going to have a beautiful vegetarian lunch. Looking forward to that. Excellent.
10: I'm looking forward to it as well.
1: Yeah, let's get, let's get back onto this subject we've been onto for the last couple of weeks. And we actually did a Bible study on it just then. Um, not specifically on it, but we looked at, 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 at indigenous cultures and Australian culture and the way, you know, how they, you, you see in, in both cultures the calling up of the ancestors and yes. those who are once dead. And we looked at the danger. We looked at the story of Saul. Um, and the mistake he made in trying to call Samuel up. And we looked at it wasn't actually Samuel at all, that it was a Correct. a spirited demon that came up. Pretty, pretty sobering story, that one. Um, and it gets harder to share this message in a sense because in Australia and certainly around the world, Indigenous culture, and rightly so in many aspects, has made a comeback. But yeah, with, that, with that comeback comes some of the worship that involves this ancestor, the demonic stuff, which is very dangerous. I've been to New Guinea, seen it more amongst the people of Papua New Guinea than down here in Australia where you see the demons at work. Very actively, very powerfully, uh, and it's amazing to see people from these indigenous cultures coming out and making decisions to follow Jesus and the power Jesus gives them and the, the changes he brings to their life and then the changes they bring back to their own culture within the context and narrative of their own culture. Very powerful. Um, yeah, Absolutely. But I guess we're talking more about Australian culture and Western culture now. Want to just do a little bit of re, re, reverb and then go back? Uh, not reverb, re, uh, rewind, rewind, or, or repeat, and then get into it a bit more again. We've got 22 minutes, Robbie. Have you got the time of this? He's got a clock. To I can see it. 21:56.
3: Yep. That's the one.
10: So,
1: who are the ancient gods? Because we're talking about the return of the ancient gods.
10: Yes. So we we're sort of been going and looking how you know in in the book of. Well, the Book of Kings, First Kings, Second Kings, and Samuel. You know, the, some of the stories mm-hmm. you just shared now sort of set the context for what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where in ancient Israel we see that they did two th- well three things really, and in the doing these three things, they removed God from every aspect of life, and as a result of God being removed, it filled their their daily life and their society and their culture. With what we're calling the gods, right, in, in air quotes. Yeah. Well, t- when we're saying that, we're really talking about Satan and his and his cronies, the de- demonic uh, or fallen angels, as we've already talked about in the past. So, in at the time we get to Elijah, Elijah shows up and he goes to Ahab. This is in First uh, Kings chapter sixteen, seventeen. Elijah, Elijah
1: is, a, is a prophet. An ancient, a prophet. an ancient prophet of God, powerful prophet, and Ahab is a very wicked king, married to a very wicked queen, who was from a, she's from next door, wasn't she? from a, From one of the pagan nations,
10: her name was Jezebel. Jezebel. Correct. Yeah. Go on. Correct. So this is in in in, in First Kings, um, as you just mentioned, Ahab is a king. He's turned away. In fact, the Bible says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, more wicked than anyone before him. So he did. He was a pretty He pretty much rebelled against everything he had been raised with in terms of God. And part of that was marrying the Baal priestess or high priestess Mm. of Baal. And so, he's now mixing this idea of um, power, political power, with religious power from the pagan world. So, these two things are marrying together. Now, in that context, three things have happened before Elijah shows up in the next couple of verses. The three things are is that um, in the very next verse, uh, Baal worship is introduced by Ahab. So Ahab sets up an altar, then he sets up a wooden image of Baal, and he commands people to worship. And So the first thing we see is that in society, and this is in ancient Israel, they turn away from God. That's what Baal comes and does. Baal starts being the face of, hey, if you want it to rain, you pray to Baal. If you want your crops to grow, you pray for Baal. If you want peace, you pray for Baal. So Baal is the turning away from God, and then Straight in its footsteps comes Ishtar, or the Queen of Heaven, as Jeremiah calls her. There's there's a thousand different mm-hmm. names for her. And basically, her job is to, she's the enchanter. And I, I again, I'm per- personifying these things, mm. but it, we ultimately, it's Satan behind all of this, right? And so, the enchantress basically takes away um, sexuality from its God-given sanctity of marriage and introduces it, or basically separates it, introduces it into culture as a as a freedom, as a expression of oneself. And so basically you can read about this in First Kings chapter eleven. So Solomon is instrumental in introducing this uh, through some of his wives, his four hundred concubines, it specifically mentions that he sets up a an altar for um Ishtar. Well, it's Ishtar who we're talking about, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Queen of Heaven is what we call. It. So basically you got these two things. You take away God and then by taking away God then you have no framework for sexuality. You can take that out of out of the God framework within the uh-huh. context of marriage and you can do whatever you want with it you can men can be with men men women can be with women and vice versa and children all that sort of stuff and then the third thing that comes in we find this in second king uh, sorry first king chapter 11 is Molech. so Molech was a canaanite deity where his whole he was the destroyer he was the the one that you appease to have um, peace in, in society, and basically he was worshipped through the sacrifice of children. And we talked about that the other week, where they they would bring the baby and place basically on burning arms or in the burning belly of the idol and and consume it. And so these three de- or these three forms of a deity, the dark trinity, is what I like to call it. Um, these are uh, whenever God is not, when the true God is not in society, these three manifest themselves because ultimately it's satan right satan has this thing about turning us away from god he perverts um sexuality uh, because obviously that's the thing that creates in marriage and that's the thing that god gave male and female to be the image of god so satan's attacking that and then lastly he destroys and he ultimately destroys the image of humans which is their offspring and so that's the that's the three things that's the recap from what we talked about the past couple of weeks okay. so in Western society, we have seen we've gone f- a pendulum, right? So, oh, that, that, Jesus- that's my
1: next. Before you go on, let's move to that question: Have they right. returned? Because I think I, that's, believe, I think that's where you are headed. Have these believe, ancient absolutely. gods returned? I believe absolutely, absolutely, it's returned. Now, this so, is going to be challenging. My question then is: If you say they have returned. Into yes. and we're not talking about indigenous religions here. We're talking about Western secular culture.
10: you making... I think West. Go on. And I th- look to be to be honest, Western secular culture or Western culture at large has underpinned and suppressed, in some respects wrongly, um, all other cultures and religions around the planet mm. for the last two thousand years. Right. Mm. So if you look at when Jesus shows up, he we talk about this weeks ago jesus shows up and he basically cast all these these three manifestations of satanic the kingdom out enters in a, a new kingdom right and so that has that was that set like the reset back in in jesus's day that message goes to the world and all of the, these three things and their three different powers and their forms and shapes they lose their influence on society wherever christianity went mm. and that happened pretty much universally i mean through, through, through whether you like it or not, the, the Roman Catholic Church sent out missionaries around the world and they did some horrendous things. But they also took um, the, the principles, some principles of Christianity and suppressed some of this. You know, we talk about Papua New Guinea, for example, or um, like Haiti or Dominican Republic or South America, where some of these practices like voodoo and things like this are like outright, Christianity got rid of that. It cast it out. So what's happened is is that as as Western society has allowed this to come back in, which we'll unpack a bit more I'm guessing, as that's happened, all other cultures now are starting to resurge. And you know, you made an interesting point in the previous segment mm. that indigenous cultures have become the new and I, I don't want to belittle anybody's culture, but it's become the new norm, right? Like, every like to have to have some identification of some Indigenous culture is like, hey, now I'm hip, right? Like, I, I know people that look whiter than I am who are claiming to be Indigenous. And maybe they are, right? They've got a bit of blood here or there, mm-hmm. whatever. We've all got a bit of big mixes. But the reality is, is that all of the, the fact that we're seeing this resurgence is evidence to my mind that Western civilization has fallen back to these Three deities. Okay, let, so let, let's get into that because I want to get into
1: it because we're running out of time. I'm going to have to get you back if we don't get into it, and and we'll we'll make you a permanent uh, <laughs> guest on our show, man. <laughs> uh, have they returned? You said yes. My yes. question is, and I know this is going to challenge us. I want you to tell me
10: exactly how. Okay, so I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago, but let me recap. So this, if you look in Western, again, from Western society and Western culture which I'm claiming under has underpinned, you know, global culture to a large extent for the last, you know, at least 1,500 years. Three significant events or periods have happened in the last, you know, hundred so years that I believe has has re, reset the order of things. You, you are you saying
1: three great events that have facilitated the return
10: of the gods? Yes. Of these demons? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Tell us. Yeah. So the the first thing I see. So again, I'm looking at it from a I'm looking at it in the lens of the Old Testament and seeing yeah. it in the context of modern society. Right. Yeah, so yeah. in the Old Testament, the first step was the introduction of Baal, and Baal's job was to turn us away from God. That was it. Right. And God was removed from culture. He was removed from the true God. I'm talking about removed from um, government. He was removed from education. He was removed from everything. So if I look at Western culture, and again, Australia is sort of a, a, a proxy of American Western culture, and so is the UK and New Zealand and Canada and so on. In it's sort of 1950s, 1960s, we see a, a a subtle but a growing shift to turn or to remove God from society at large.
4: Do, so do, you, do you see
1: the-
10: that as, before you go on, that that thing in
1: the '50s and '60s do you see that having its roots in the Enlightenment, the French Revolution? And- yeah
10: yep, absolutely. I mean we could we could unpack this stuff for, for days, yeah. right but basically there's there a whole series of things that started happening. In fact, if you align this the book of Revelation with the seven churches, it's phenomenal yeah. because each of the churches is actually moving away from God in terms of the conflict in each church, right? So Thyatira or Sardis or Philadelphia, there's there's problems happening through the Dark Ages and then through the Reformation, the Counter-Reformation. And while that's happening, all the foundations are being led for what happens in the 20th century. I think just
1: for our listeners who don't know anything about Revelation, there's, there's a prophecy there of seven churches. And those seven churches are... Symbolised periods in time that the church and the world will go through. I think what you're saying there, Robbie, is that um, one of the churches represents the French Revolution and secularism and the turning away from God. Yes. Yeah.
10: And so, and it's during that period that we see things like um, Darwinism um, becoming a thing because of the vacuum. It's it's fantastic and it's fascinating. But basically, the short version is is that. There's about 1,500 years of history happening that creates the perfect environment for the 20th century to mm. for these three events to happen, which is basically the removal of God. So, it, yes, it's, it's through the, the Enlightenment, it's the postmodern – well, sorry, it's the modern era. Mm. Um, yeah, it's all these sorts of things. So, so what you've got
1: – you're saying you've got Baal, worship – in our contemporary society, in a, we're, we're talking in a symbolic almost way. It's not symbolic, it's real, but, but what you're saying is, Baal worship has come into our culture as our culture over since the French Revolution, right through to the 50s and 60s and beyond, yep. has turned purposefully away from God. So yes. that prayers are no longer allowed in schools—is that what you mean? Yeah, Creation prayers. is wiped out now as a fantasy fairy tale, and now we've got evolution in and accepted
10: as the norm. Is that yeah. what you mean? And the ten, ten commandments being removed from public spaces, um, the phrase of God being—you know—looked down upon. So again, look. I'm not arguing that we should be a, a you know a legislative Christian society. I don't believe in that. We everyone should have the freedom to choose. All I'm illustrating is is that we're seeing we saw in the, the 50s and the 60s a removal in uh, a, a foundation lay for the removal of God from the public space. I, I think That's most a, most fair people
1: will acknowledge that. Uh, so that leads us then to the second to the demon, second stage, the second God. Yeah. So
10: so now that we've got. God slowly being less important and less central in society, we see the introduction of the second thing that we saw in Israel, which is the removal of sexuality from marriage in the context of the God-created marriage and basically made its own package of enjoyment and pleasure and expression and so on. And that's exactly what happened. We entered into the the swinging 60s and we entered into the the, uh, free love of the 70s. And we entered into this experimentation of love. um, What does it make? Love, not war. This whole idea that, like, if you had have done that a hundred years before, it would have been unacceptable in society. It would have been completely unacceptable. But because the slow eroding away of God being front and centre of society, it, it was basically the right time now in the 60s and 70s for this to become the new norm. To the, point, so- to the point,
1: Robbie, that today it is almost beyond, uh, well, it's way beyond the normal We're Young people are almost always living together, yes. Before they get married, if they ever get married, exactly. And the state has had to recognise unions of Several unions, de facto, all that sort of stuff. So it was, like that, it was marriage 100... at, the, at the heterosexual level that first came under attack. Is that is that exactly. fair to say? And exactly. And it's, it's kind of just gone backwards since then. So so it's not just it's not it's not just a LGBT thing or a, or or, or, or or, or an attack on that sort of a lifestyle. It is a heterosexual movement um within marriage that first came under attack as this second god or or whatever goddess or, or demon came back.
10: That's exactly what happened in ancient Israel as well. Yeah. The the introduction of the enchan- enchantress, which is again I mentioned the other day it's the root for the word porn in English. Yeah. Um it, it wasn't it wasn't straight up like homosexual or lesbian or transgender, it was heterosexual, but we're outside of the context of what God had ordained. And like that's what was the introduction of temple priestess and things like yeah. this, whereas basically prostitution, right? You can have prostitution without being married. But yeah. then um it doesn't stop there because with Ishtar, her temple priests would also be homosexual. Yeah. and be transgender. I mean, it, it's, it's all there. It's just basically layers. So what we're seeing in society today is is just the natural progression, and I use that in a very loose term, natural. It's in the natural progression of the introduction of Ishtar and the Queen of Heaven and all that expression back into society. Take me to the third god. So the third Moloch. one's Moloch. And Moloch was the destroyer, and um, we saw that with the advent of the free love movement, Um, the self-expression and the self-love and all this stuff came unwanted pregnancies. And the unwanted pregnancies was solved with the pill. Um, And then not just the pill, but also with abortion, a legislated abortion. Mm. And so basically you have the same outcomes. I mean, no no parent, and look, I know there are plenty of people listening who have probably had an abortion. It's statistically, um, yeah, it's very, very probable that, you know one in six people have at least had an abortion these days and so i I understand there's a lot of pain there's a lot of a uh, mental anguish and things like that with people who have gone through that that they've seen that have had no other choices or whatever the case may be but I'm just looking at this purely from a you know a, an observer's perspective that the outcome of the sexual revolution was unwanted pregnancies and the unwanted pregnancies basically be uh, seen in Western society now as a sacrificing of children. I mean, you don't have to even be a, a, a pro-lifer to acknowledge that there has been, you know, countless millions of abortions. And I've, anyway, so the point I'm trying to make is, is that Moloch, every time he shows up in the Old Testament, it's child sacrifice. Mm. And so you can see an equivalent to that in the form of the abortions that are happening since. If you look at the three things together, I mean, it's, it's pretty compelling that you see first the turning away from God, which is the Baal, then you see the, the free love and the, the, the uh, disconnecting of sexuality, which is um, Ishtar, and then you see the sacrificing of children, which is Moloch. So when you look at Western society, you see all the earmarks of ancient Israel in the time of Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. Why does the world not see this? So, you know the most famous verse in the Bible is probably John three sixteen, right? So, you know God came, sent His Son, the Person of Jesus, that uh, no one should perish. If you read down just three more verses to verse nineteen, it says, "And this is the condemnation: that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." I mean, it's a hard question. Why doesn't the world see this? Well, men love Eve, darkness rather than light. It's almost—it's um, almost like these three demons
1: hit us as human beings in natural weaknesses we have. Yes. Do, do you know absolutely. what I mean? It's—it's it's easy for us to turn away from God before God. Well, I can only speak for myself, but there's a natural inclination to what i would call the works of the flesh sexual immorality especially for men but increasingly for women too sexual immorality comes easily it's pleasurable it's what we do without that restraint and then you look at um the death of our children in the millions it's almost a turning away from an accountability for that sexuality exactly um,
10: it, it look it so it's natural as it it sounds, it's natural
1: for us, isn't it? It's natural for us to go I this say, road.
10: As horrendous as it all sounds, it's actually quite a natural progression. If you if you have listen, if you take away God and the, the framework that God brings to order and harmony and morality, if you take that away or put that on the side just temporarily, then as exactly what you said, the natural carnal heart, and the carnal heart being you know the unre- yeah. unconverted self. It craves the things of the flesh, and the number one thing of that is is sexual sexual behaviors, and the result of sexual behavior is going to be children. I mean, that's the natural order of things, and, and, and we so, don't we don't want
1: to be accountable for that, and we don't want to be accountable if, for if, it, exactly. This is not everyone, of course, but I'm just saying um, a lot of we just don't want to be accountable for that. Hey, look, we're running out of time. We've got three minutes. I want to get to this. And we'll come back at another time in the not too distant future on this, I think, yeah. um, because it's so interesting. Can these, the return of these gods, these three demons, a horde of demons, really? Yes. Can they be resisted? Can we resist this in our own lives? And how can we do it in a way that is not so offensive to our fellow Aussies?
10: Or, so, or is that me, impossible? Let me, let me paint a big picture real quick. Yep. The big picture is. This this return of the gods, as, as we're calling it, this is predicted in the book of Revelation, right? So in Revelation chapter, well, we talk a little bit about the seven churches. We can talk a bit about Revelation twelve and thirteen and fourteen together, which is the center of the book of Revelation. In Revelation thirteen, we have a uh, the of a counterfeit prophet Elijah. So, the prophet Elijah shows up as, it's not called prophet Elijah, but he shows up calling fire down from heaven, which That's is right. directly referencing the Old Testament, right? So, right there in chapter 17 of, of Kings, where we see the story starting. So, think about this. The Bible is predicting that there will be a counterfeit of the work of Elijah. Now, what Jesus said in his ministry was that the Elijah will return before the coming of the Lord. The disciples say, Hey, why do the rabbis say this? And Jesus says, Well, actually, Elijah's already come. It was John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist is a type of Elijah and a type of Elijah is coming based on, you know, uh, Malachi uh, chapter four and what Jesus said. And this is, I'm not, I don't believe a literal Elijah is going to return. I believe hmm. it's, it's the message of Elijah that returns. And what was the message of Elijah? It was get rid of Baal. Turn your, your hearts back to the true God. Get back into the right view of sexuality and stop sacrificing your children. Mm. I mean, that was basically the message. And it's funny because in Malachi, the message is before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah will come and what will he do? He will turn the hearts the fathers to the children, and the children back to the fathers. So it's the reversal of the gods being in society. So the prophet or the message of Elijah is the key thing that's going to solve this problem nationally, globally, corporately. But individually, as we said before, Jesus said, if the heart, if the house is being cleaned, if it's not filled, it will be filled with something else. So the short answer Can- to your question is we've got to have our hearts filled with the Spirit. Now,
1: we're, we're out of time. Can we come back next week and talk about that specifically? Yes. How to have your heart full of the Spirit? How to come back to God if you've been on this road?
10: Is that all right? Let's do
1: it. Let's do it next let's week. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, Robbie. Uh, have a no good worries. week. This is challenging, but it's very exciting stuff. Thank you, mate.
0: Yeah. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Pretty
1: challenging, Hunty. <laughs> Powerful. Oh I know goodness, that. Yes. I know that there are some out there listening who'll be unsettled with that. Don't be. Let Robbie cut. Let's let him come back yes, next week, yes, uh, and let's talk sure. about the positive of this, about what it is to come back to God, what that looks like, how you do it, and the power that comes into your life and the healing. The healing is probably the thing I think about more than anything, hunting. Mm. That'll come to your life. Yeah. When you turn to God, this last song. What is it? Blessed be the Lord, God God Almighty, from the Maranatha Singers. It is talking about the God of Elijah who is all-powerful, who is the King of the kings and the Lord of the lords. He rules over these demon gods. He has more power than them. And when you've got him in your life, when you ask him to be your Lord, you'll always win with him living in your heart.
5: Father in heaven, how we love
4: you, we lift your name in all the earth, may your kingdom be established in our praises, as your people declare your mighty words, blessed
6: be the Lord.
1: Blessed be the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. He is God. Hmm. He is all-powerful. And it's why I have no problems at all talking about these sort of subjects because I recognize there is a contest between darkness and light, between a real God and a real devil. I get that Aussies aren't really into that reality. But it's there, I've seen it with my own eyes, I've seen these demons at work with my own eyes, I'm an ordinary Aussie, I'm not crazy hunty, I'm not Mm. mad, I'm not some loony, I have seen it, and I have seen the power of God. As like a tsunami, it comes over the top of these demonic dark movements. I've seen the power of God coming into people's lives and what a difference it makes. Mm, me too. Hey, Hunty, I yep. am sorry that we missed Aussie Pastor again. <laughs> we did. But we've got questions coming in and we're going to get there, man. We, we are going to get there. It's just that once Robbie gets going, I find it so interesting and, and so, too. so important. And it's, uh, it's, you, you just don't want to hold, Do you want to kind of clear the road for him. That's right. Because I know that this is on-the-ground, relevant stuff out there. And if you're having a bit of trouble keeping up to it, you can listen to this uh, interview and this program again, Hunty.
3: For sure. Uh, This podcast is available on the Faith FM website. Uh, If you're watching us on Facebook, you can easily rewind and watch this again on the Aussie Pastor Facebook page or the Faith FM Facebook page. Is it on YouTube? Ah, uh, no, we're not on YouTube. Only Facebook and Is there the a reason Faith we're not on FM. YouTube? Are we moving to YouTube? No, is- no, we're not going to YouTube. No. No.
1: There's uh, copyright issues, is there? Um, there's. I'm there, putting them on there, the, 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 as we close the program, I'm putting them well, on the live Well, doesn't
3: have a, a YouTube channel yet.
1: Ah, so we can't. Okay. Yeah. Mm. We'll have to think about that, won't we? Mm. Well, we're glad you joined us today. I hope we you're are, blessed. I hope yeah. you got a little glimpse into a window where you saw Jesus because that's the most important thing, and I just want to pray. Lord, bless our listeners and those who are viewers. Today, challenging subject, uh, yet what we're trying to do is not so much condemn others, their ways, uh, their practices, but to show you Jesus as the great God, the one worthy of worship and honour, and the one who we were designed to invite into our hearts to live with us. May that be the experience of each person listening and watching. And Lord, if it's not their experience, gently I pray, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, move their hearts to you through your Holy Spirit I ask. This we pray with a blessing on all those again who are with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name
3: is Lloyd Grollerman, and I am the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty Mannion Black, and I'm the techie, and we love you. But Jesus loves you so, so much, much more. I'm gonna say see you <laughs> later, but
1: I'm just thinking men in black, that's a new one. <laughs> Are you in black? Well yes, maybe I'm he kind is. of
3: in black. Yeah, I've got a black top on, yeah. <laughs> God bless God you. Bless you, all. See, you see you next time. See you next time.
0: Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us. Go to findjesus.tv